Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.
Welcome back to the Heavy Metal Mayhem Radio Show. It is Sunday, February 11th. It's Super Bowl Sunday. I'm probably one of the only people in this country that doesn't really care about the Super Bowl, to be honest with you. I have no interest in it. I lost most of my interest in sports when I was a teenager and I got into music and girls. That's when sports kind of took a backseat and went out the window. But it is Super Bowl Sunday, so I know we're not going to have a big audience today, if any at all. But you'll catch the show on replays, I'm sure. And thank you for listening anyway. I do appreciate that. Right there, Queensryche, Queen of the Reich, when Queensryche was an amazing band. Those first three records were just incredible. They haven't been the same in a long time, even with Tyler Torrey. I mean, he's brought back better vocal songs than Jeff Tate, and the music has gotten a little heavier. I still really haven't cared for anything Queensryche has done since probably 86 or 87. But they're out on tour right now, or the tour is about to start. They're going to be doing the, the EP and the first record only. So, I mean, I was actually kind of interested in seeing that, to see how it sounds with Todd singing it. You know, he's actually very close to Jeff Tate's original voice, and I was watching videos of Jeff Tate over the last few months on his tour, and his voice sounded really, really good. And I kept going to, like, that song, Queen of the Reich, and, like, on every video to see how he does it, because, you know, that's a really high vocal on that song. And he was kind of almost hitting the note every single time that I realized it has to be backing tracks, because the last time I saw Queensryche on tour with Jeff Tate was the last tour they did when he was still in the band. Uh, they were opening for Alice Cooper. Alice Cooper was open for Queensryche. I really don't remember which way it went. And he couldn't even sing like that back then. So I don't think his voice has gotten stronger in the last 50 years. I think he's just using backing tracks. So, I mean, I don't know for sure. But if you watch those videos, he kind of hits it every single time the same way. And the vocal lines are the exact same in every song. You know, you don't really get that all the time when you perform live. You always have an off night or an off note, especially when you're his age and you're singing the way he sings. But... Eh, it is what it is, right? Okay, let's keep the music flowing here. We got a great show tonight. Jim Forgades of Morbid Saint and David Rodriguez of Show and Tell. David will be calling in first in about a half hour, 6.30 Eastern time. We'll talk to Jim in the second half of the show. How about we do some Max Links? Metal never dies. <laughs>
All right, Nuclear Assault, The Plague. I had to play that because in my memories, you know, on Facebook and the feeds, it popped up a show that my Dan Stillborn did with uh, Nuclear Assault back in, God, I want to say it was 1986 or 1987. It was like 36, 37 years ago. I can't believe how, how long ago that was. But we, you know, the only place to play hardcore shows in New York at that time, this was before A7 opened up, was at uh, was at CBGB's on Sunday afternoon. So we played a lot of our shows up at Streets in New Rochelle, or we played in Connecticut a lot at the Brick and Wood, or Baltimore, or Washington D.C. And you gotta remember, my my drummer was like 14 years old at the time when we started that band. You know, the rest of us were about two years older than him, maybe three. Uh, so he, it was kind of hard to get out and do stuff. But all of our shows were out of town, so we were looking for a place in New York that we could play. And we found a place in Brooklyn because all of us came from Brooklyn, except for my single came from Rockaway, Queens. And we found this place called the Animal Hall. It was run by a biker guy called the Animals. I mean, these were some badass bikers. I mean, they could run up there with the Hells Angels. That's how mean these guys were. And we talked to them about renting out the place from them. They had this, like, it was like a garage they had, like a big bus depot that they had their club at. And we rented it out. We put on a show there one time. And we had a nice crowd show up there. So we said, no, we're going to do it again. So a couple of months passed by, and we, we did it again. And, you know, Sheer Terror, who were great friends of ours in the New York hoods, uh, you know, we got together to do the show again this time, and somebody knew another band, and before you knew it, like, Ludacris got involved on the bill, and then Blood Feast, then Intense Mutilation, then they got Nuclear Assault, they got bigger and bigger, and somehow we kind of got squeezed out of it, and we were the one that found the place to put on the shows, but, like, little by little, like, these bigger bands sort of took over, and we kind of got squeezed out, you know? So I remember when we were going there the night before to set things up, and they're like, okay, you guys are open. I'm like, why are we opening up the show? We found the place. <laughs> we're not an opening band no more, and I refused to open for Intense Mutilation. I don't know if you guys know Intense Mutilation. They were some crazy band from back in the day. I'm actually friends with most of the guys in the band today, but back then I had such a shit fit that I refused. It was like a diva fit, you know? I refused to open for Intense Mutilation, so they wound up going on before us. <laughs> we were the next ones on the bill, but I just, it was, it was funny, you know? Now I look back, it was stupid shit, but it was funny back then, but we got a kick out of it. That was that far back, so 30-something years ago. All right, how about we do some brand new Warlord right now? Uh, I got the advanced copy the other day. I haven't gotten a chance to go through the whole record, but here's a single Conquerors, and we'll talk about it after we play it. <laughs>
go. New Warlord Conquerors. Personally, I don't really care for it. It sounds nothing like Warlord, even beyond the fact that Bill's not on there, even though these riffs were supposedly taken from demos that he did you know, before he passed away when he was alive. I just don't care for it at all. I mean, it's better than the new Kerry King Idle Hands. I mean, Phil Demel said with that, you know, it was hard to keep it a secret for four and a half years that I was in Kerry's band. After hearing that song, I would have kept the secret a lot longer. It's a terrible, terrible song. This is not, This is a little better, but not much better. I was going to do a whole set of new music right now. I was going to do some Cobra Kill. We're going to hold off on that because our first guest, David Rodriguez from Show and Tell, is going to be calling in. I'm going to try to squeeze on one of his songs before he does. Hopefully, we'll be able to get through the whole song before he calls in. Uh, let me see which one I get on here. We'll do a rip and tear. This is what good metal is all about. Take a listen. <laughs> David on the line, so we're going to have to get back to that song. David, this is Mike. Are you there? Hey, Mike. How are you doing? I'm doing great, man. It's a pleasure to have you on here today. I know it's Super Bowl Sunday, but, you know, metal comes first. Yeah, absolutely. I'm more of a metal guy anyway. <laughs> same here. Don't worry about it. You're in the same boat. But hey, listen. Your new record is absolutely mind-bending. I was saying it before you came on here. This is the future of metal. We're, we're going to be in good hands. I appreciate it. Thank you. It was a big work in progress to get where we are right now. <laughs> I can imagine. You know, you guys are young. You came into the scene. You know, I think you were teenagers when 12 Gates kind of started, right? Yeah, that was my first project when I was in high school. My, I guess my first real metal band when I was in high school. And, you know, did some stuff in the high school, playing some shows and you know, then we kind of broke out, did the bar scene for a minute, and that kind of faded away when I uh, joined Warhead. 
And uh, I was jamming with those guys for a minute before, you know, I parted ways with them, then finally started show and tell in uh, late 2019. Yeah, it's been an amazing three-year run. I mean, when people think about it, you know, coming into the scene so young, you know, and, you know, the Warhead record left an impression on people, but now you have show and tell. I mean, and this kind of takes you, I mean, is this where you want it to be musically? I mean, do you finally get to say, you know, this is, you know, I put my time in, I, I, I learned my trade, I know what I want to do, and this is what I want to create. Yeah, absolutely. Like, uh, I don't know, the stuff I write nowadays just kind of has different elements of, you know, every different subgenre there is. I, when people ask, I identify us as, you know, just heavy metal. We're a heavy metal band, but at the same time, we'll have, you know, some thrash metal elements or, you know, a little bit of glam in there too. But it's, at the end of the day, the roots are in just raw, heavy metal music. You know, I, I think Judas Priest or Iron Maiden. True. You know, it, it's very hard to mix different genres together on one record, but you do a kind of effort, you know, it's like there's no effort to it on your record, it feels like, that everything belongs in, it flows together, and, you know, I go back to the 70s, I'm a lot older than you, you know, with, with the metal scene, and <laughs> it, it, it was just heavy metal back then, there was no thrash metal, or speed metal, or glam metal, or hair metal, everything, it was actually hard rock back then, but it turned right. into heavy metal, and there were no subgenres. do you feel like when people kind of put you into a genre of heavy metal that you feel like maybe you're kind of encapsulated, and that's not a good thing to be? because it kind of limits your audience yeah you know it's funny around town here you know i'll i'll talk to people i know and they're like oh you play uh you're in the glam metal band or you know other guys they, oh you're you guys are thrash you're bringing the thrash thing back and uh you know i guess to different people they they have their own interpretation of um you know what the music is which is fine you know i guess I guess that's kind of what you want rather than um, just being so filed down to one genre and you listen to it. Oh, that's, that for sure is death metal or, Oh, that for sure is uh, speed metal, you know? True. So, you know, you're out of Warhead now and now you decide to start, you know, another band and, and it's show and tell. I mean, how does it come about? I mean, do you know the other members of the band? Are you friendly with them? Do you know, do you look for people that kind of have the same interests as you? How does it all come together? Yeah. Um, when I left Warhead, and I, um, you know, it took a minute for me to kind of get on my feet with this. I, it's pretty difficult here in Arizona to find other like-minded uh, musicians, especially for you know what we're trying to do. And when I was trying to put a band together in the beginning, it wasn't working. People didn't understand the sound I was going for, so I thought the best way to you know, show people what I'm trying to do is come out with a, a demo. So I did that. I wrote a three-song demo. I did all the stuff for it, programmed the drums. And uh, that's how I then started shopping around for uh, members. The, the guy that's still the original member in the band is Cade Gardner on bass, and he's a badass. <laughs> and uh, we had another guitar player and drummer, but they – they just weren't working out. So we, uh, when we were recording the album, actually, we had um, Mike Olson from Vector. He recorded the drums for the album. And when he was at our um, practice studio, he was listening to the tracks. And then a mutual friend came in, Mike Thomas. Uh, he heard the tracks. He said, these guys are badass. Who is it? It's Dave's band. 
and uh, he just said straight up he would love to play drums for us. So that just worked out perfectly. And our guitar player, Daniel Dobbs, he, uh, it, you know, it was, it's kind of hard to find another guitar player that doesn't have such a massive ego. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you know what I mean? Yep. <laughs> So he uh, he reached out to us after you know a bunch of kind of failed attempts, and he was just the perfect fit. He checked all the boxes. That's great. I mean, is it difficult finding guys to play with that sort of have the same vision? Because you know you play classic metal, in my opinion, and you know a lot of people from your generation are into the more of the newer style metal. So is it hard to find people that you know want to play the same style as you? Is that the difficulty, or just finding three or four guys that just want to commit to a band, which is harder? Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, then when you step outside, like, okay, now we have a full band now. Now we're ready to play shows. And that's where it gets a little more difficult in a sense because the scene out here in uh, Phoenix, it's mostly dominated by death metal or grind and shit like that, which I, I have no problem with it. But it, when it comes to booking shows or bigger shows, it's kind of hard for us to kind of fit into the bill. Um, yeah. We've been fortunate enough to, uh, you know, whenever a big classic metal guy comes through town, we're usually one of the first picks. So that that really helps out a lot. <laughs> it's like thinning the herd. There's not many bands left to play with them out there. So I, I, I kind of get that. But, I mean, is it really, I mean, is it possible to branch out of, you know, the Phoenix area, Arizona, I mean, for a new band? Yeah, uh, we've. We've only done one out-of-town show so far. It was in L.A. We played with um, Phoenix. They're from New York. They came all the way down to L.A. We played with Saber, awesome band, and uh, Leather Duchess, another, you know, just kind of classic metal band. But, uh, you know, the goal right now is to, you know, eventually kind of break out of the U.S. We would love to do some stuff in Europe. I think they would love what you're doing over there. I mean, because they really held on to that that you know traditional style of metal over there. And, and you are on No Remorse Records. I mean, for a young band just starting out, just put out a demo tape, put this band together, it seems like you got signed pretty quickly. Yeah, that was uh, that was pretty surreal when I when I saw an email from them. I had, I think the demo had been out for you know maybe a couple months. I was still, uh, I think at the time I still had our original drummer. I didn't have anyone else. And uh, originally we we kind of teetered the idea. of like, maybe we should do this, maybe we shouldn't. My drummer at the time, he was like, no, I've never heard of these guys. I think we should wait for something else. And me, I was like, are you kidding? These guys, this is, this is awesome. This is so perfect. This could not be anything better for us. And uh, eventually, when when we removed him from the group, I decided, you know, I think I am going to take this. And we, we signed on, and it was, it's been great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, No Remorse, a well-known label, especially in the underground scene. I mean, being with the label now, I mean, what does that offer the band? I mean, besides distribution and, you know, just having the name of the band on that label, does it offer anything else to a band? Today? Does it help with getting out on the road with touring or maybe trying to hook up with some of the festivals, especially the European ones, which are, are really big. We have a few nice ones here in America right now going on. Uh, it'd be great if you can get on them, but I know, I, I get what you're saying. You want to get to Europe and really kind of break over there. Yeah. It, you know, I think a big thing about the whole thing is um, 
if uh, if I I was to reach out to a promoter or some sort of festival out in Europe or here in the States or something, I don't know if they would take me serious because I wasn't on any sort of a label. You know, I think the power behind No Remorse Records is is pretty strong in the traditional metal scene. You know, their uh, Riot City is just absolutely killing it right now, and I love those guys, and I think that's a great example of like when you come out with a badass album and you're being backed by a great label of how far you can really go. True. I mean, talking about the demo, I think only one song from the demo appears on, on the new record, The Ritual Has Begun. Uh, so when you look back on the demo tape now, considering that you kind of did it all on your own, more as a promotional item, like to find band members and to maybe shop it onto a label, how do you feel about the, the demo tape now compared to, you know, with the songs on the record? Um, you know, I, I still look back at the demo and it's probably still in my mind, one of the greatest things I've done for the band. I, uh, I still love the production and the raw sound of everything. I, uh, you know, the biggest song, well, it's funny, whoever you ask, they'll tell you what your favorite, if they've listened to the demo, they'll tell me what, uh, their favorite song off the demo is either, you know, the first, second, third track, but, uh, the one that I've seen gets, you know, that has the most popularity is uh, the first song, I'm Alive. So I I just kind of wanted to give it that proper production, um, throw it on the album, kind of make it a little bit eternal in a sense. But uh, I'm still very proud of the demo. I love that thing. It's great. Dream Killers and Prison of My Own were two great songs also. Maybe somewhere down the line, uh, they'll, be, you know, they'll show up on another record. Yeah, I, I've, I've tossed around the idea. Maybe on the next one, I'll pull one more demo song and then, you know, a bunch of new stuff. Yeah. How does songwriting come to you? Is it relatively easy or is it something that you really have to work hard at? Um, you know, for for the album, the songwriting was kind of all over the place. We um, At the time, we were kind of writing more simple stuff because our drummer, uh, he... Um, he just couldn't play to extreme in a sense. So we're like, okay, let's, you know, keep it simple, but still, you know, like heavy rocking. But uh, then, you know, change of events happens. And now we have our current drummer, Mike Thomas, who can play A to Z. So I, I feel like for the new stuff that we're writing, we can really just kind of expand on different ideas, maybe different time signatures, but still keeping in that, you know, true, classic, heavy metal essence. But uh, as far as songwriting goes for me, it's, um, I do better by myself. <laughs> I just kind of listening to my mistakes and uh, going over it like that. The other guys will do the same thing. They'll write their own stuff and then we'll all kind of send it through email and we'll be like, yeah, this is pretty good. Maybe we should work on this idea some more. Yeah, it must be frustrating when, like you were saying, like the drummer just couldn't play some of the stuff that you wanted to do. You know, as a songwriter and as a musician, it has to be frustrating when you can't kind of write the way you want to write or do what you want to do because one band member is very limited in what they can contribute to the part of the song. And I know he's not with the band anymore, so it gives you that freedom. But there has to be a difficult thing at the time when you're working through that saying, damn, I just can't, you know, get this the way I want because he can't play that way. Yeah, it was, you know... It was it was kind of both. It was uh, it was frustrating, but then at the same time, it kind of pushed my own mind to go, okay, maybe let's let's figure out something else that 
delivers that same punch, but, you know, might be a little more laid back on the drums. It just kind of, it was frustrating, but at the same time, it kind of pushed me to dive deeper into what else I can kind of create. True. Are you your are you your own worst critic? I mean, when it comes to writing songs, are you very critical of what you're writing, or do you just kind of like know what you're doing? <laughs> oh, absolutely. I oh, I I am my own worst critic. I need uh, my drummer Mike. He's always the guy to kind of talk me off a ledge because we'll uh, we'll record something or um, we'll be listening back to something. I'll be like, oh my god, I cannot I cannot stand this. This is the worst thing I've ever heard in my life. And he's like. No, it what? It sounds great. Yeah. So I I definitely need other people to kind of give me a hand and show me the light per se. <laughs> I get that. You know, there was a time in the music business where you know bands were taken advantage of by everybody, from their own management to promoters to record labels. I mean, we've kind of moved past that over the last few decades because bands are more in control of their music and the record labels aren't as powerful or strong as they used to be, Not at least not for, you know, underground bands or heavy metal bands. If you're a pop star, it's different, you know, but... So, do you find it right. better today where, you know, you kind of control pretty much the whole aspect of the band from start to finish? I mean, I'm sure you have to make some compromises here and there just because you do work in a group of people and you do have to deal with a label, but it isn't like it used to be. Do you find that people still try to take advantage of you? And it's maybe because of your youth also? Yeah, um... Like, the spot we're in today, kind of like, you know, 21st century, 2024, under an independent label, a pretty big one of that as far as the independent metal scene goes. Yeah. Uh, I feel like they give us, you know, freedom to do whatever we want. There have been a couple of uh, compromises we had to come to, but at the same time, I, I felt like it was easy. You know, it's like, okay, yeah, I understand where you're coming from. Maybe we should do that instead. And then, you know, as far as writing and stuff, there's no there's no one telling you, oh, you need more uh, ballads on here. You need more hard and heavy stuff. Just kind of like, you know, do what you do and make sure it's the best that you can do, you know. Yeah, you're, sure. you're on here for a reason. But I feel like it's it's a lot better today. I don't, I don't know how it is once you break out of this and go into a major metal label. I, I've heard stories already. <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of horror stories, but I think those days are, are pretty much gone for most bands. You know, they all learned their lessons from the past, and the new bands coming up. I mean, do you find that you know it, it helps when you have some sort of like you know mentor? Is there like a band that you can go to rely on for help, you know, like when you're first starting things out and and looking to move along and like say, hey, how did you guys do this or how did you do that? Because you know, when you guys first started out, at least when you started out, you know, you were a teenager, like you said, you were in high school. You know, you had 12 gates. You were just starting out. So you don't really know the ropes yet. So is there somebody you can count on to kind of like guide you through the process or is it just a, a live and learn type of thing? It's definitely kind of a live and learn type thing. I mean, throughout the years, there have definitely been, been individuals or bands that have helped me out in that era of my life. Um, right now, it's just kind of like, uh, you know, on social media, you can kind of, you know, look out, not necessarily the competition but bands there maybe of equal size see what they're doing see what they're advertising um it's just kind of stuff like that uh we've been lucky enough to uh, share the stage with some good bands in la and now they're they're willing to help us out we're talking about doing something in the future so i think it's kind of like who you know who you get involved with and they can kind of share their knowledge as well 
True. I mean, are you looking to try to line up a tour with some band or, you know, get on as an opening act? Uh, is it possible for you guys to do that or do you kind of have to pick and choose your shows or like play one-offs or, or go local? Yeah, there's, I mean, right now no one has reached out. So we're, you know, just the album's still pretty fresh. I think it's, what, the 11th right now, maybe a little over two weeks it's yeah. been out, maybe three. But, um, you know, I would love to be the opener on a, a great tour, great bill, whether, you know, no matter where it is, we're, um, we're super ready for all that. Right now it's just been local shows and a couple more local shows have been booked around here, but me and the guys are ready to go. We're ready to hit that road hard. I'm sure. You know, reading some of the reviews of the record and things people are saying about it, I saw nothing negative. I mean, everybody just seems to be falling in love with this record. I mean, but you will have your critics out there just because that's the world we live in today. There could be someone that would love this album yeah. and still talk shit about it because that's just the way the internet works today. There's always that one guy who's going to just say something negative. But do you take it personally or do you just <laughs> say, you know, just let it roll off your back? Uh, you know... This being my very first, like, kind of major release in my life. I mean, when I was in Warhead, we, we did the Age of Tomorrow record, but that was still relatively independent. I was just playing guitar at the time. But this is kind of like my first major record where I'm singing, and, you know, everyone knows that. I think that's the only critique that I've seen a lot of is, you know, people, oh, the music is badass, but, you know, fire that singer. I'm like, oh, geez. <laughs> But, uh, you know, I take it all as to, okay, they don't like this part, they like this part, or they like this part, they don't like that part. It just kind of inspires me to really make what we're writing next, you know, times 10. You know, you can't satisfy everyone, but when, when you can read all the reviews, see what people like specifically, I, I just kind of take that and it just kind of motivates me and makes something greater. Absolutely. I think so many bands, when they get started out, they, they put too much into what people say about it because people just want to say shit for the sake of saying it. Whether they mean it or not, they do that. But, you know, you'll see some bands like, you know, the next record comes out, and I'm like, why did you change up your style so much? Why did you do this? Well, people didn't like that. I'm like, you should never change what you're doing because people don't like it. There are a lot more people that do like it, and those are the ones that are going to be your fans. Those other ones are never going to be your fans to begin with. So do you take what you hear and see and say, maybe we should tinker with the sound, or maybe I should work on my vocals. I mean, I think your singing is fantastic, especially on this record. Uh, but, you know, not everybody's going to like everything, but do you keep doing what you're doing for for you, or do you start changing what you're doing to appease other people? No, it's definitely for me. It's I think the big thing is, you know, I'll read something, and if I agree immediately, I know what they're talking about. Like, for instance, I do agree that the vocals can be a little bit rough here and there, but it's just... Uh, Right now, I'm working with the lead singer of uh, Wings of Steel. He's been giving me lessons for a couple months now, and it, you know, it just kind of, it, it's just gonna help make the next record even better with the vocals. Nothing else with the music, really. People have really been digging the tracks, but regardless, you know, we know the style, we know the direction that we're going, and um, that's pretty much it, really, as far as whenever I read, you know critical comments like that. Yeah. Did you want to be the singer of the band? Did you intend to be the singer? Or is this, you know, just the way it worked out? Yeah. I, um, in the beginning, what, like before the demo came out, I, you know, I was like, okay, I know, 
because that's another thing is trying to find a guy locally that understands, okay, this is going to be kind of like, you know, Judas Priest, Queensryche vocals, you know, uh, can you sing like that? No. All right. (laughs) So I, I had that idea in my head and I remember, uh, the first time I tried to do anything like that, it was, I just fell flat on my face. I was like, okay, I, I need to kind of, you know, work on, work on the falsetto vocals some more. Kind of get that whole thing going. And, uh, you know, even back to when I was in high school doing like the 12 gates thing, I, uh, I wanted to be the singer and guitar player. But still to this day, one of my biggest influences is, um, Dave Mustaine. So, you know, just encapsulating that whole thing and letting it motivate me. Cool. You know, the name Show and Tell, definitely an original name. I mean, how did it come about? I have to ask because to me it says like, you know, Show and Tell just tells you exactly what it means, but what does it mean to you? That's a, you, you hit around the head. It, yeah. uh, you know, I, I was telling some people about a week ago, you know, it, it's not very rock and roll, but I was in a financial, like, um, meeting talking about finances and stuff how to get your money right and uh, oh it's life insurance too and the guy the guy said look this is a show and tell business you gotta you gotta show them a product that's so good that they're gonna tell everyone they know and immediately when he said that to me i i went straight to you know music and band stuff and what i'm trying to do with my own project so and you're right it's an original name i there's only been one other show and tell from the eighties, but I think they just came out with an album and that was it. They didn't really explode too much. No, they didn't. They didn't go anywhere. <laughs> so that name has been dead and buried for many, <laughs> the name has been dead and buried for many decades. You resurrected a new version of that. And I'm glad, but yeah, it yeah, is hard yeah. coming up. I mean, when you think about 40, 50 years of metal and hard rock, it's hard to come up with an original name. I mean, years ago before the internet, you know, you can have a band with the same name. They live right around the corner from each other. They would never know because they didn't talk to each other. Today with the internet, you can look up, you know, to find out what names are out there, but it's got to get harder and harder to come up with an original name for a band. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I'll find a band I like or, you know, a friend's band. Or I, oh, look us up. I look them up and there's like 60 different bands and I have to go to what, you know, city and country they're in to exactly find that, that band that they're in. It's challenging. Hey, but David, I'm going to let you go in two minutes because I want to play some songs off the record before our next guest comes on. Uh, do you guys have anything lined up that you want to talk about for this year? You're still working on things. Still just advertising it. Just, uh, you know, if you want to learn more, come uh, come check us out on Instagram or Facebook, Show and Tell, Show and Tell. And, uh, you know, that's all I got. <laughs> no, that's right. The album came out January 26th on No Remorse Records. Uh, is there going to be a vinyl version of this record, do you know? Um, All I got to say is keep buying the CDs and there maybe, you go. Uh, maybe we'll all see a, a vinyl in the future. That's the way to do it. Bye, bye, bye. <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> All right, David, it was a pleasure to talk with you today, man. What a great job you did in this record. I'm going to play a couple more songs off of it before we get to the next guest, but you have a great night, my friend. It was a pleasure to talk with you. Sweet. Thank you so much for having me, man. Take care. Bye-bye. All right, let's get Later. back to Rip and Tear. I feel bad we had to cut it off in the middle, uh, but we'll pick up where we left off and then do something else. <laughs> Oh, 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 oh,
another great brand new record by a band that's been around for a little while called Cobra Kill Above the Law. Pick up that record if you can. I'm going to reach out to some of the guys in that band and uh, try to get them on the show. You know, since we started the show up again two years ago after having a year off, I mean, even the year that we were off, I, I was still interviewing bands and we were putting up the interviews on, on Facebook and YouTube. Uh, but, you know, we kind of, you know, started over fresh. Everybody that was banned and in the book, you know, we kind of let it go and we started playing the music again and reaching out to them to be on the show. But I think it's time to start that book again because in the last week I've had two guests, not just once but twice, bail on me on interviews and not call in. And I'm sitting around with my thumb up my ass for like an hour each time that it happens. That's four hours of my life wasted waiting for these two guests to call in that never did. And one is Paulie Z from ZO2. Two interviews he missed. Waited around an hour both times, never called in. And Stead Howland, twice in one week, didn't call in for the interview. So both of those guys are getting banned. They're in the book. The book is now open and active again. So let it be written. So let it be done. They are in the book. You will never hear any music by them on the show again, or we will never have them on here. So it's time to get that book going once again. All right, we're going to get to Jim from Morbid Saint in a few minutes, but Christian, he wanted to hear Leisure Law this weekend. You know what? It's a song off one of my favorite records, Freedom Rise, His Amnesty.
March of the Gladiators. We had Greg Hill on the show. My God. Had to be 10 years ago. I've spent the last month or two, like, you know, uh, redoing all the pages for the show uh, because, you know, Spreaker had deleted everything uh, a few months ago. So I lost almost two years worth of shows that were on Spreaker. And when I left Blog Talk Radio, they kind of deleted, you know, 15 years worth of shows. So all the links on Facebook are pretty much dead. I, I try to go back as far as I could putting the new links up there. Uh, but the best thing to do is just go to the Heavy Metal Mayhem Radio Show dot com. Uh, there's a tab on there that has all the years and all the guests that were on the show, all the metal matinees we used to do. Or just go to the Heavy Metal Mayhem blog spot or blogger. It's easy there because it's a search engine. You can just type in any band and it'll come up when they were on the show. And, you know, anything you type in, it'll pop up on there. So I updated both of those sites. Those are the easiest ways. TalkShoe is where all the shows have been stored since the beginning. Uh, because they've never given me a problem with anything, and they're the only free site to let you upload everything. So everything is on there, but they have no search engine. And I think there's 192 pages for this show, so it's impossible to find anything more than a week or two old because you'd be scrolling forever, you know? And on Facebook, most of those links are dead. So that's the best two spots to go. I've updated that. I've updated all the flyers and the banners. We've redone everything. So go to the Heavy Metal Mayhem Radio Show dot com or Heavy Metal Mayhem Radio Show Blogspot. And it's easy to find any past show on there. I have like a list of bands that I wanted to like get on the show. Uh, and then like when I was redoing all of these shows, like, oh, I had that band on. I had that band on. I had that 90% of the bands on my list I've had on the show. Not once, but sometimes twice. And I remember when I first started doing the show, I was like, I, I could remember every guest, when they were on, the month, the week, the date, everything. And then as the years went on, you thought you remembered them, but you really started to forget. <laughs> I forgot half the guests we had on the show. We've interviewed almost... 1,200 guests. You know, that's a lot. That's just here on the live show. I've done interviews. Uh, I've interviewed maybe 200 more people on the Facebook or YouTube channel when we were off the air and other ones that we just didn't air because those bands did not fit the format at all, but I had to do them to make, you know, the PR people happy. Uh, there were a lot of interviews. The biggest disappointment to me was Bob Daisley. I got Bob Daisley on the show. He was working on his book. Uh, the book hadn't come out yet, and it was like Skype was kind of new. And Block Talk Radio had no way of connecting Skype to the network and recording it. There was one way of doing it. It was like a Fugazi type of setup, and I made it happen. At least I thought I did. 
But when we called Bob up, and I tried to connect Tommy on that interview, because Tommy was co-hosting with me at the time, uh, we kind of got knocked off of Block Talk Radio, which was the way we recorded it. And we talked to Bob for about 90 minutes. And it was one of the best interviews ever. I mean, he dug deep into everything, like all the problems with Ozzy and Sharon. And me and Tommy was like just smiling, because he's like an open book. Like, And, you know, if you've read his book, he kind of says everything in the book. But we had him talking about a lot of stuff before the book came out. And I was so disappointed when we finished the interview. I was like, Tom, we got to listen back to that. And we went to go play, and there was nothing but dead air. And the interview never aired. And I left it on my page as a blank space because it bothers me to this day that we never got to air that interview because it just didn't record. Now with this better technology, I have more apps and ways of recording things, so things like that don't happen. But, you know, 15, 16 years ago when we started the show, this was all new technology, and we weren't very good with it because, you know, we're old school people, pen and paper. And I always hated that, but... It just happened. All right, we're going to get to Morbid Santa in about five minutes. Uh, you know, Ace Freely's been out there promoting his new record, 10,000 Volts, whatever the hell it's called. And I was watching a lot of videos of his, like, recent concerts, and it sounds like he doesn't even want to be there. When you watch it, there's nothing in his voice. He barely sings. I mean, his backing band actually sounds really good. They pretty much carry the whole show, in my opinion. Ace is just, like, just phoning it in. He's barely singing. He, there's no emotion in his voice. There's, like, nothing there. He skips a lot of the lines of words, mostly because he can't remember them. But like every interview he's been doing, one interview he talks about how, you know, Gene and Paul were good about this and good about that. Then he rips them apart in the next interview. I know there's bad blood between them, but he goes on and on. And some interview he just recently did, some guy asked him, which was a dumb question, you know, how do you feel that, you know, your catalog outlived the Kiss catalog? And I'm thinking to myself, you know, Ace Freely has been out of Kiss for 40 years. 40 years since he's been out of Kiss. There were the five or six years when they reunited in 96 that he was back in there, you know, doing Kiss. They recorded those two records. Uh, but Ace only has seven records out in the last 40 years. Seven records. He had two in the 80 and I think the live record. And then most of them came out over the last 10 years or so. And two of them were like cover records that he did back to back. I think it was the Origins albums. There were two of those. So Ace has like the, the, the bare minimal input of records out there. So for a guy to ask him, like, how do you feel your career outlast, you know, your recording career outlast, that's ridiculous. Kiss have, like, two dozen records out. And Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley both said interviews years and years ago after they put out, I don't know if it was Psycho Circus or the album that came out after that. They were like, nobody wants to hear new music from us, so we're not going to do it. We're just going to play the classics. That's all people want to hear. They don't want to hear anything new. And he was right. As a Kiss fan, I didn't want to hear anything new from them because it didn't have the same feel as the old stuff. And Ace's music just sounds blah to me. That new record, 10,000 Volts, just sounds terrible. I mean, Ace doesn't really even write most of his own music. He has co-writers on most of his albums, just like Kiss did in the end. Even in the beginning, you know, Kiss had co-writers on a lot of songs. So, I mean, I, when, you, when, when an interviewer asks a question so stupid like that, I mean, but when I went to his channel on YouTube, he interviews everybody. I mean, food critics. He's not like a rock guy or a metal guy. He's just somebody who got a hold of Ace Frehley and interviewed him and... It was just dumb to ask that kind of question because, you know, he really doesn't have the output that Kiss has. And Kiss retires, so there'll never be any more output from Kiss until they get back together again in two years and do a reunion. <laughs> but that's just the way it goes. Ace talking a lot of shit like always, but that's Ace Frehley for you. All right, let's do some classic Morbid Saint. We'll talk to Jim. We'll play something for the new record. And we'll probably wind up wrapping it up right after that. So here you go. Sit back and relax. Let's do something from the first record, which was the only record back in the day, Burned at the Stake. Yeah. 
Jimmy, I can hear you. I can hear you just fine. Awesome. No, uh, are you using video or not? Uh, we could. I mean, it's just really audio for the radio, but we could put, put the video on if you want. It doesn't matter to me. Okay. I'm, I'm not much to look at, but whatever makes you happy. Neither am I, but yeah, if you're not using it, I mean, I got it on. So yeah, give me a second. Let, uh, let me click it over here. I hate technology. I think I, I, think I got it on. <laughs> All right, there we go. Hey, there you are. All right. I, you know, I've been using this for like 12 years now, and I still can't figure it out. I, I lost your microphone now. I can't hear anything. How's that? Is that okay? Yep, I can hear you now. All right. It's either one or the other has to work, right? Yep. <laughs> right. Well, listen, Jim, such a big fan of the band, going back to the demo tape hating days in the 80s when I got a copy of the Lock Up Your Children tape. And I feel like the band never got to finish what they started, but now I think that time has come. I, I, I hope you're right. You know, we kind of we kind of feel the same way, but you know, it, it, it is it is what it is, and we're but we're, we're we're very hopeful with the new album. It's a great record, swallowed by hell. I mean, what an amazing job! And when you think about it, I mean, this goes back so many years now. I know there was a big break in between. It kind of got back together in 2010, and you know, now you're back again with the band, so that's a good thing. How did this whole thing come about from the very beginning? You, you think about you know Sheboygan, Wisconsin. I don't think there was any other metal band from that area but you. <laughs> well, there, there's there, there's bands around here. Probably the the next biggest band from close to us would be Jungle Rot. Okay. Now, they're they're not. I mean, they're not super close to us, but they're within a couple hours in Wisconsin. But um, yeah, no, there's not a lot of. This ain't the big uh, metal scene like you know some of the bigger cities around here. I can imagine. I mean, you know, today with the internet, it's a whole different world. But back then, you really had to make your bones where you came from. I mean, I mean, Wisconsin in general as a whole state had a lot of great bands. You had Aquafit, Nick Fury, Realm came out of the area. There were so many bands, but, you know, kind of spread out pretty far, like, to keep localized. Yep, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and we used to play with a lot of those bands back in the day. Realm, you know, we did a lot of shows with Realm, Acrofet. Um, Dr. Shrinker was around back then. Yeah, <laughs> Dr. Um, Shrinker, I haven't heard that in a Dr. long time. 
<laughs> yeah, Dr. Shrieker. Um, yeah, no, it, it, it used to be a, a back back in that day. It was it was it, there was a lot seemed like a lot more happening. Yeah, you know, than it is now, but it is what it is. But when the band gets together, I mean, it was a couple of years before the first demo tape came out. But naturally, you know, you're a bunch of young kids. You're working on your instruments, learning how to write music, putting it all together. The demo comes out now. Now, what does the band do? I mean, do you try to shop it around to a label? Do you try to get the name of the band out there? Or are you just a bunch of kids just looking to have fun and play shows and, you know, get out there and do what you can? Pretty much, yeah. We we, we didn't really shop anything around. We just wanted to we wanted to get the music on, on tape and, um, you know, we'd, we'd sell them at shows and throw them out to the audience. We didn't, never really we never really pushed, you know. We, we, you know, you're, you're from... It, it's probably a lot different being in a bigger city, you know, where there's a huge metal scene and, you know, like, you know, in LA, you know, even back, you know, in, in the eighties with the, the hair bands, you know, I mean, you know, for them, it was just, if, if you were, I think for them, it seemed, it almost seemed like it was more of a, it wasn't if you were going to be discovered, it was just a matter of when, you sure. know, because it was so saturated there, you know, whereas us, we never, yeah, we were, we were just a bunch of crazy kids like to party and, and play the music we like to play. And we had a good time and, um, yeah, yeah, it wasn't, we didn't push like, like nowadays you, it's a lot easier, you know, with social media. And I mean, you can, you can record something and get it out there real fast and everybody, you know, it wasn't like that back then. So no, it's a whole new world. I mean, people don't realize, you know, for a bunch of kids that come up with the money to record anything was, you know, it was a lot back then. Then they yeah. try to find a label to sign an unknown band, you know, even though this was like 88, 89, like when you know, everything kind of got rolling with the original music, you know, by that time the scene was kind of saturated anyway. I mean, hair metal was like kind of taking over the whole scene. Death metal, yep. to me, always had like a strong following that never kind of faded. It kind of lasted throughout the ups and downs of all, you know, the, the versions of heavy metal of the genres that came out. Death metal kind of, you know, stood steady the whole way. But how difficult it was it, like, just to get that record, you know, out? Um. Like I said, I mean, you know, we were just doing our thing, and then uh, Eric Greif had contacted us, and, and, you know, he was the one who, who uh, you know, did the recording and stuff, and, and he had, he, he had somehow, I don't even know how, he, he, he got the, the, the interest from uh, Avanzada Metallica, the Mexican label that yeah. originally released it. I'm not even sure how that happened, but we were more than happy to do it. You know, and we didn't get we didn't get anything out of it. All we got was I, I remember our like royalties, whatever you want to want to call it, was we just got a big box one day that was a bunch of cassettes, uh, CDs, and albums, and that was our, that was our payment for it. You know, and we and we were we were fine. You know, we 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 didn't we weren't we weren't like oh we're on a we're on a record label now. You know, we're gonna go. You know, we didn't take it that way. We just took it as hey, you're willing to put it out and get it out there for us that's great and give us some free copies that we can sell and you know give out to fans that that were around here that that's kind of the way we took it um you know and it, you know it, it's funny i always tell everybody you know with spectrum of death the, the the following it has today um you know there's people paying hundreds of hundreds of dollars for copies original copies and we we were basically giving those away at one point you know it, it wasn't it, it wasn't received it it, it it we kind of we we kind of compare it to like a, a like a good bottle of wine or whiskey or something where it, it took a long time for for it to to get to the point where it, it was actually people it liked it I guess and um you know and, and we we contribute that directly to the internet 
you know, if it wouldn't be for the internet, people would never have discovered this album. And, and, uh, and, and, and it's great. You know, we're, we're, <laughs> we're loving it. It's true. You know, when people talk about the record, they hold it in such high regards today. You got to say yourself, where were you back in 1990 when that record came out? I mean, it right. did take a while for us to get it here in the States, but I'm saying like, where were all these people back then? But it, what, it was a change in scene also. 1990, things really, I mean, it didn't turn overnight, but it started to change by that point in time. And yeah. I think before the band got any traction going anyway, things just like the rug got pulled out behind everybody's legs at that point in time. Yep, yep, pretty much. You know, it it it, it was... We were a little late to the game, you know, kind of, it, unfortunately. But, you know, we're, like I said, you know, we're, we're, we don't, we don't look at anything, I guess, bad, you know. It, yeah. it is, like I said before, it, it, it is what it is, and, and we're we're just fortunate that we're, after all these years, we're actually still here. To, I'm, you know, I'm talking to you. you know, <laughs> That's I'm, right. Freaking weird, you know. <laughs> that, that's a great thing, but it's true. People say like, "Oh, you know, the band was late to the game. They got, you know, they got a kind of got a laced off." But nobody knew what was going on back then. Nobody. We thought it was going to keep going on when the scene kind of started in the late seventies, early eighties. That underground scene started rising up. I mean, nobody thought it was going to become a real scene. We thought it was going to stay underground. That it was going to be localized. Nobody thought Metallica was going to get signed to a major label and every band was going to get signed. And next thing you know, these guys are headlining arenas and. <laughs> All these other bands are taken. Nobody knew that was going to happen. So we thought right. this ride was going to go on and on and on and on. And, and then it ended. So back then you couldn't say, oh, man, we got to get this out before this ends. Who thought it was going to end? Nobody. Right. Yeah. And, 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 I mean, and, and, and it, it, you could see it coming, you know, for us. Um, the, just the people were, you know, I, 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 I'm not 100% sure. I, things are a little foggy from back then. But, but um, you know, grunge came in. And kind of, it, it just it, it turned. You know what I mean? It used to be a fun time. It used to be the '80s were like a real fun. It, it was just we were all about having fun, you know. Yeah. And then it turned it turned to something else. And, and unfortunately, we were like right there at that time. And yeah. it happens. But it happens. I mean, as a young band, do you, did you even think about the business part of the music business or? Was that even? It probably wasn't something you even thought about back then. Where you know you have a band like Iron Maiden from the very beginning, they were gun home on making it. Like they brought in management, they you know they lived on a dime here and a nickel there. That's how they did it to get to where they got. But most, like you said, most kids get together. They just want to have fun, write music, play. You got that record. It was like probably the be old end old when you got a copy of that record in your hand. You weren't thinking about taking it to the next level at that point in time. Right, right. Yeah, no, it was. It was. It wasn't like that. We were. We were. We just were a bunch of friends who, who who happened to play, and like jamming together, and 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 it was it was pretty much practice. We practiced every day back then, and it was practice. And after practice, it was where are we going to party tonight? You know, <laughs> where, where are we drinking and and whatever? And and that that's kind of all we really did. You know, we didn't like you said it wasn't there was no there was no quest for for to push anything. But it was it was hard back then. You know, it was really hard being, especially where we're from. Yeah, you know? I, I can imagine. But after the record came out, you guys went on for a little while longer. You did record your second record, which came out like, like 89 years ago after all those years <laughs> of being shelved and everything. But at that point in time, when that record, when you, were you just in the studio recording songs saying, hey, we're going to do another record to put this on there? Or was there a deal in place to put out another record that kind of fell apart? And how did that whole second record come about or not come about at the time? Uh, no, we we just wanted to go in and re- we basically just wanted to go in and record a demo, another demo. Yeah. Uh, I mean that's kind of what we did with the first one. Um, yeah, we didn't we didn't have 
no, there was, there was definitely, you know, there was no label support whatsoever from anything. So it was just us wanting to go in and record. Um, but, you know, what ended up happening was we just, you know, financially couldn't finish it. Um, and it, it, it and, and, and everything else happened. Like you said, music kind of changed in that time, you know, because we, we were, we were like, you know, with that album, it was like, we, okay, we have some money. Let's buy some studio time, go in and record some stuff. And then it, and then it was a while till we'd go in and record again. So by the time, yeah, it just, the band ended up, you know, separating and we never, we never finished it. We didn't have the money to finish it. You know, we, we didn't have the money to be able to just go in and say, okay, let's, let's, let's secure enough studio time to finish this thing. We, it wasn't like that back then. So, um, it didn't, it, it, it just, the album didn't get finished, which is why it didn't get released. And, and the only real reason, which I tell everybody this, that it did get released eventually was because it got leaked somehow. We don't, we don't know who leaked it. Um, but it got leaked somehow and then it got kind of messed with as far as, uh, um, the sound and stuff to try to make it, you know, and, and, and I think they did all right with it. Um, it's definitely not the album we had intended, uh, you know, because like I said, we didn't finish it, but we're, we take that one with a grain of salt, just like anything else, you know, it, yeah. it, it happened and just go with it. It is what it is. You know, this, this is right been able to go in, have the funds. Happy with this. This is out of you know out of the three albums in 30, 35 years, whatever it is. Um, this is this is the first album, like I said, that we're 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 happy with the finished product, and it's got our. It, it, we're happy to put our name on it. Do you think it's because, you know, over all the years you've matured more, you know more about the music, you know more about your instruments, you know more about putting out a record that you're able to put that time and dedication into the sound where you couldn't do it when you were a kid, the first record, or like the second one being leaked, like you said. So did this album give you that opportunity to really put all you learned over all these years of being in music to getting it to where you wanted it to be? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that definitely helps a lot. Um, I think a big thing now is, too, we're not, we're not, none of us are pressured to do this. You know, like when we go, we practice once a week, and when we go to practice, um, it we we're there because we want to be there. You know, we're not. It's not. It's never like oh, I got practice because we want to be here, and we don't have any expectations really about anything. We just we just want to put out. We wanted to put out an, an album we could be proud of, and hopefully the fans will like. Um, yeah. because we are, it, it's 30 years after Spectrum, but you know, it's still, it's still us. We still play, you know, we play a certain way. This is how we play. This is the kind of music we write. Um, you know, it is, it is going to sound, it is going to be different. Pat's going to be, you know, Pat's going to sound different. Um, he's, he's 35 years older than when he recorded that, you know, Spectrum. So, but I think, I think everybody did a great job. We all, we all busted our asses, um, you know, making sure, the recording was, you know, how we wanted it and, um, and, and writing the songs and, and everything. And, but, but I think the biggest factor is we're, we're not here trying to achieve a, a, a something that we, we know we're probably not capable of doing, you know, we're old enough to realize that we're not going to be rock stars. We're not going to make a living off of this. 
this is just something we want to do. And I, and I think that's, that's made a huge difference. I can imagine so. You don't have that kind of pressure on you where you have to do this or you have to do that. It actually becomes right. fun and enjoyable again, and you get to have a good time doing it. That's a big thing. You know, when you think about when, when the band ended in 94 and until the reunion took place and all you guys got back together, I mean, did you kind of keep tabs on the band of what was going on and how think people reacted to the band on the internet over the years? Did you see yourself rising a cult status, like, you know, from decade to decade? Or do you just didn't even bother thinking about Morbid Saint when you were done with it? No, no, I've, I've always kind of kept on it. Um, Jay, you know, that's one of the nice things about us all being from Sheboygan here. For the most part, we all, we're all right here. Um, so Jay actually lives less than a mile from me. And he always has. So I've always seen Jay. Um, I've always, you know, if he ever needed help with anything, um, we've always been in contact. Um, there was, there was, you know, the band didn't break up because anything bad. It just we just got older and, and there was there was other priorities that needed to be dealt with and and as opposed to just playing music and drinking beer, you know that that, that comes to an end at some point. So I haven't gotten uh, there yet, but I'm waiting. But yeah, no, I I I watched it and and I I was I was really happy for you know when Jay got the band back together in 2010. He he's always wanted me to join to come back. I just couldn't. I had my own business, yeah. and I just didn't have the time. And um, I, I was I was happy that, that they were getting the shows they were getting, you know, getting to go over Europe and China, and and, and you know, and, and being able to do stuff that that we never got the the opportunity to. Um, and, and it was great seeing the fact that just seeing the music that people started to like it. You know, because because we loved the music back then, and we and we had a lot of fans around here, local people that that liked it, but it just never took off. You know, we always thought it could have, it had the potential to, but it never did. And um, no, I was I was I've always like I said, I've always kept tabs on it, um, kept an eye on the internet. I'm always looking on their, you know, they had the Morbid Saint stuff pages and stuff, and um, I, I always thought it was great. I, I you know I, I wished I I wished I could have been part of some of those experiences that they had. Um, but I just couldn't at the time. But now I'm, you know, now I'm ready, ready to, ready to go play live. You know, because live is is ultimately that's for us. We're we're we we're looking forward to the opportunity to, to get on a stage that we can actually be the live band that we are. We're we're a live band. We like you know we like tearing it up. And and we've played a couple shows since we've been back together, but they've been on smaller stages. You know where you're. You know, I mean, you do what you you do what you can and what you have to do and play and, and and make it the best they can. But we're really looking forward to getting on some bigger stages, and and being able to, to like I said, have a Morbid Saint show like we used to. Sure. I mean, the festival circuit is the way a lot of bands go today. They try to get, especially over in Europe and in Germany. You know, we have a lot of great festivals popping up here in the U.S. these days, too. So they're yep. starting to grow. But that is the way to do it. Especially, you know, you get flown over Europe for a weekend. They cover all your expenses. You sell some merchandise. You come back. And, hey, you know, I went to Germany for the weekend. So right. <laughs> it, doesn't get, it doesn't get any better than that. But when were you, I mean, I think it was, what, what, two, three years ago that you were able to come back to the band full time and play with them again? Yeah, about three. It's been about three now. Is that when you started working on the new record? Because it was a lot, I mean, since they've been reunited 2010, I mean, Destructive System was an old record that was kind of put out there, but, you know, it was good, been a good 15 years since, you know, they got back together to have new music out. Yeah, well, they did, they did, the band changed lineups over the years yeah. that Jay had it together, um, so it was kind of, it's kind of hard, I mean, they they kept writing songs, they did, they did 
they did have a whole album's worth of music um, written with different members throughout the of, of, of the thing, and and it, and that kind of got shelved right now. Um, once we got back, once this formation of the band got back together, me and Pat and Jay and Bob and DJ, um, when we got back together, it was probably the first maybe six, seven, rough, somewhere around there, months of just playing, you know, just playing the old stuff, um, whatever, and, and getting back, getting together as a as a band. Uh, we didn't we didn't work on anything right off the bat, um, and then slowly we started bringing ideas, you know, forth and, and Pat started bringing in some lyrics and I did. And, um, so it, it, we didn't start it right away. It wasn't, it wasn't, it was, it was the intention when we got back together. I had every intention that we're going to write an album. Yeah. Um, but it didn't start right away. I, I, I hadn't played guitar for about 15 years. So it took me a lot of practice at home. Uh, a lot, and you know, and it, practicing with the band to, just to get back in to be able to move you know at, at, at this age it's hard to play that fast oh yeah <laughs> you know and so, so it took took a little bit of uh, uh endurance training and things and and uh then then we started to get into it so it, it took about a little over half a year of being back together till we started writing the new stuff everything on this album is all brand new yeah nothing yeah. old when you go back to playing guitar again after 15 years of not playing and you pick up the guitar and you say, let me go back to some of these older songs and stuff, you know, figuring them out again. Did they come back to you right away or did you start playing saying, I don't remember this part or how do I, wait, this don't sound right. I mean, how because you know, I, I'm a bass player myself. I look at my old songs. I'm like, what the hell was I playing that? Like, I don't even remember sometimes. Like, does it come back to you relatively easily or you really got to work on or listen to that tape uh, over and over again? No, that, no, it, it, it didn't. I, there, there's, there's a couple songs off a of spectrum that, that, just were very weird for me because of the fact that they came back so naturally. Yeah, I remember I was able to remember them for the most part, probably ninety five percent. But fortunately, because Jay has kept the band going and he's been playing these songs, yeah. it was just a matter of saying, "We got to sit down, show me what's going on," you know. And, yeah. And once you once you once you play it again, it's like at first you're like, "That ain't what we were playing, is it?" You know, it's kind of you know weird, but but then. All of a sudden, you get it, and it's like, yeah, it's it comes back. It came back for me a little slower than I would have liked it to. Um, I, it, it's, I find it very, very different. At the older you get, that your your memory just takes a shit. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I, I, can't, I can't. Unless I stay on it and just keep playing it, then it in, gets ingrained in me. But if I take even a week or two off of playing, I, I it's stuff just. I start losing stuff, and it's weird. I, you know, I'm. Uh, it happens. <laughs> well, I, I mean, considering that you and Jay, the two guitar players in the band, did you take this opportunity to say, you know, what we I wasn't really crazy about some of the parts and the way we play some of all the songs. You know, we can make some changes to them now, beef them up in a certain way, or do you try to keep them to the original way they were played back then? We try to keep them pretty much identical to what we did. Yeah. yeah. The only the only thing that that has changed on my part, I can't I can't say for Jay 100. Uh, percent But the only thing that's changed on my part is the solos. Solos in the old songs, I I don't play. I I, I play I play them close be, because I play certain parts of this of the solos to keep it familiar. Um, but but I play so much different now than I played back then. Yeah. Um, I, I pay more pay a lot more attention to uh like 
uh, you know, staying key <laughs> and, and, and really phrasing. I phrase a lot different than I used to. So um, I, I try to keep them similar, but, but I, 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 I tend to play solos for me that they sound better. Yeah. I can. Well, if anybody has the new record, you can tell right there how guy, you know, how far you guys have come and progressed with this album. I mean, Pat's been in and out of the band a couple of times since the the kind of reunion took place. Three of the five original members. Bob's been there since the reunion took place in 2010, so he's a long time member too. Now, when you think about it, uh, but yep. it's pretty cool that the core of the band is together. That's kind of hard for a lot of bands to do today. Get any of the older original members back in the band. Right. Yeah. We're. We're. I mean. We're. We're fortunate to have we you know like you said we got the two guitars we got the vocals um, Bob which is like I said he's he's been in the band a long time he's an incredible bass player and, you know and then we got DJ on drums who's the youngest guy in the band um, obviously you know you need the drummer to be be able be young because old guys can't play like that I know. I'm sorry true. they just can't and uh, so we're we're very fortunate that and, and and we as a band just we get along great. You know, and like I said, I think a lot of that has to do that that we're just we're we're doing this because we want to do it. You know, yeah. there's no there's no pressure on us to to do anything. So, um, it, it's we're in a good we're in a good place right now. That's good. I mean, the record comes out February 9th, but we're not gonna have to wait like 10, 12, 15 years for another one, are we? I don't think I'm gonna be around, so I want to get one more in before I, I, I hit that big hole in the sky. Everybody keeps asking that, and and I would say there's 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 a very very good possibility that there will be at least one more for sure i'll say that I, you know we got we're getting old and um i mean we can still we just i think we can still play you know at, at the, the speed we want to play at um and i think until that or something else drastic happens we're gonna keep we're gonna keep going that's good you know destruction system did you ever think about going back and revisiting that record and maybe getting it out the way you wanted it to originally be we we we've kind of hashed that a little bit, but I think we we would rather just leave it alone, yeah, and and continue to write new, you know what I mean? New new. There's a lot more in us, so I, I think we would rather. It would be it would be great. It, it I mean we've even discussed re-recording Spectrum of Death, and then and then we like slapped ourselves and said no because oh, it 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 is what it is because of what it is, and and to change it in any way would it no is that that album is. Just the way it is is going to stay that way. We're not touching that. Obviously, it sounds different when we play it live, you know, because it's everything's new. I mean, we're playing. Yeah. We play the amps now than we did back then, and the guitars sound a little bit different and stuff. So, um, but yeah, no, we're 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 gonna leave we're gonna leave the old stuff alone. Good. I'm glad. You know, so many bands have done that. They've gone back and re-recorded, you know, one of the first records or the classic records, and it never sounds the same. You can't be in the place you were then, now. You just can't be. Your mind was in a different place back then. Your ability was in a different place, and it created that. And whether you look back at that and say, ah, you know, we could have produced it better. Maybe I could have played that, that soul a little better. But it is what it is, and that's what makes the album the classic album that it is, is by just being there when you were there. Manuel right. re-recorded that first record. It sounds horrible. I mean, absolutely horrible. Exodus did it. So many bands have done that. Some do because they lost the rights to their music. They want to get them back that way by putting it out there. You know, so I, I understand yeah. that, but you can't recreate a, a time and place. It's just impossible. You would right. never be able yeah. to recreate the vibe that you got on, on Spectrum of Death. Never. No, never. Never never happened. <laughs> good. We, might be able to, we might be able to record it and make it sound pretty good, but it's not going to be the same. It'll never yeah. be the same. And when, why, and why, why... I even try to change it. It is it is what it is, and we we love it for what it is now. 
you know, we hated that album when it came out. First, really? I mean, we loved, we always, we always loved the songs and everything, but it, it, it didn't. We didn't like the way it sounded. We were, you know, we were like, yeah, man, it's that, you know, we, we're, 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 uh, you know, we're playing our asses off in these songs, and you know, at the time you're listening to Slayer, where you can really hear the guitars, Metallica, you can really hear that, you know, whatever, and we're like, you know, man, it's, it's not what we expected. Um, but now we we embrace it for what it is, and and the fact, I mean, people like it, so. Yeah, oh, hell yeah, people love it. You think, was it more of an engineering and producing problem at that time with the record? Something that you just didn't really know enough to have control over? Don't know. We don't know. We, I mean, we thought it sounded great in the studio. I, I, we, we really did, and, 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 and it's weird because Spectrum was actually our demo, Lock of Your Children. Yeah. And if you can get a copy of that original tape, um, the original tape sounds better than, than uh, Spectrum does. I have Once the original it was, tape. It's like night and day. It, it, I think, and 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 I don't know if it was the conversion to digital that did something. I'm not sure. I really don't know what happened. But if you, if you can hear those two together, it, it to me, Lock of the Children sounds more like us. Yeah, I, I completely hear that. Well, listen, Jim, I'm not going to keep. I know you had interviews to do, but you know, Swallowed by Hell, official date, February 9th, High Roller Records. What do you got planned for it, this year? Anything coming up? It's I, I I gotta say the official date is February tenth. Oh, tenth. Okay. But but we we've done this with all our singles and everything. Um, it it, it releases on our website. We're releasing it the ninth at eleven o'clock because it releases at midnight. I'm not sure yeah. when High Orders releases it. What time of the day? How that correlates? Um, but we're on our website. You'll be able to get it at eleven o'clock. We I don't know why we do that. We're just Getting weird. We want to be before anybody. Trying to be different. That's all. <laughs> well, it's going to be on Spotify at, at midnight, but you can get it from us at eleven if you really want to. We got to um, we got to beat the Germans somehow. Well, that's what we're trying to do. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, no, we got we don't got a whole lot going on. We have uh, we got a show in uh, Houston, Texas, in March, end of March at the uh, Hell's Heroes Festival. That's a big um, festival. Which, we're really looking forward to that one. Uh, we've never played in the band when Jay had it. Whatever. Uh, us before that anything has never played in Texas so we're looking forward to that we're going to be in New York in uh, September like three shows up around there a Thursday Friday and a Saturday we got a show in uh, the Czech Republic at the the Thrash Nightmare Festival nice we're actually headlining that one on a Saturday on Saturday night that's going to be great we're going to be there for like four days uh, only playing one but that that we're really looking forward to that and then we got a show coming up sometime in June it's not set there's not a date set right now uh in chicago which is close to home for us um but that that's all we got right now we're hoping we're hoping some festivals call us because that's that's what we want to do we want we want to exactly what you said before man fly us out let us tear it up and and ship us back home we don't care that's what we want. <laughs> it'll yeah. happen it's only february so we got a whole year ahead of us and, and things and i'm going to see you in new york when you get here in september i can't wait for that show be my first time seeing you guys live after being a fan for almost four decades now you're going to make that show? Um, hell yeah, I'm going to make that show. If you're in my hometown, I'm going to make it. Absolutely. That's awesome, man. That's um, We're looking forward to that one. That's going to be a good show. It's going to be great. So, Jim, I will see you in September. The best of luck with the band. What a killer record you put out. I'm going to play the hell out of it on the show for you. Thank you very much. We appreciate it, Mike. You got it, Jim. Take care. Have a great night. You too. Bye-bye. Bye, guys.
Hey, what a great album that is. Two great, two good bands with two great albums out this week on the show. I want to remind everybody, this Wednesday, it's Valentine's Day, so we have our Valentine's Day special, My Metal Valentine. It'll be on at 12 o'clock on the holiday matinee, so don't forget to tune in for that. Next weekend, we have Reforia on the show. They used to be Tuck from Hell, if you remember those guys from about 10 or 12 years ago, and a local band from the New York scene called Metal Jacket, so don't forget to tune in next week. And like I said, Wednesday, My Metal Valentine, I think it's our 13th Valentine's show, so enjoy the love. <laughs> All right, take care, everybody. Have a great week. How about we wrap it up with one more tune? Let's do some Nasty Savage, Metal Knights. Good night, everybody. Have a great week. <laughs> Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.